1: Hi everybody, I'm Cess Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Paul Waddy. Paul is the author of Selling Online for Dummies. He's an advisory board member of the National Retailer Association and a strategic advisor at Wayflyer. He's the former head of operations at Shopo and he's founded several businesses over the years. So if you want to know how to get started on your online business, Paul is your man. He's here to share some tips for business owners on how to make the most of the online boom, and he promises getting your store ready for e-commerce is a lot easier than you think. Welcome Paul. Thank you so much for joining me today.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Seth.
1: Now, when it comes to the retail space and online sales, you have a pretty impressive pedigree. I mean, you're head of operations at Shopo, the CEO of Horse, which I'm sure if there's any leather lovers amongst our listeners, they'd be pretty familiar with that brand. And now you've recently written um, Selling Online for Dummies. So what was it that got you interested in the online retail space?
0: Well, where to begin? What I like about... um e-com folks is that they they have varied and vast backgrounds and and I'm no different because e-commerce is pretty new so they don't tend to teach it in universities and, and TAFEs really so we we all come from a variety of backgrounds so when I left school I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, I, I was believe it or not a trade union official for a couple of years somehow randomly found myself in that situation um I wasn't political enough for that, so and I always wanted to be a uh, an entrepreneur of sorts. So I I started a men's footwear business called Antoine and Stanley when I was um, about twenty three as a hobby, and then kind of um, in two thousand and seven I I went all out, quit my job, and took a loan and decided to give it a go. And uh, I was a wholesaler, so I wholesaled. I took my suitcase full of samples of, of men's shoes up and down the country and
1: got it. <laughs> Traveling yeah. salesman. My
0: I was. Yeah, I was. I was doing those, you know, typical uh, trade shows, and um, you know, having varied degrees of success. And at one point, you know, I think selling to about two hundred different stores around the place. So it was a, you know, on paper it, it had some good traction, but uh, you know, and it was I was selling to David Jones and um, London as well, at ASOS and all over the place. But I found it really hard to fund the business because it was uh you know you pay for your shoes um 30 deposit 70 percent when they're ready and then you import them that takes another four weeks and send them to uh, clients the uh, stores and then they pay you in you know 60 days if you're lucky so it was a really tough cash cycle i opened a couple of retail stores around sydney uh so i've had about four or five retail stores in westfields and um in boutique-y kind of areas like Newtown and Paddington. And, and I found that pretty hard as well, again, for the, re- the same reason, really, the fit-out costs and the cost of stocking the, the stores. And, and you're really confined to the four walls of the store. Um, in 2007, I started tinkering with a website uh, on, on a platform called Magento. And it wasn't very good, but I started getting a few orders, just small orders. But, I you know, that money was in my bank account the next day. So I I started to focus on that and I found a, a home. I turned that business into a solely uh, online or a pure play online business and and had some good fun with it um, along the way. And as you said in in 2017 or 16, I I became the I sold that business and became the head of operations at a company called Shopo, which is uh, that sort of quintessential started in the garage, you know. I went to 50 million in annual turnover really quickly with no external funding. And was somewhere around 80 million when I left. Um, I then went to become the CEO of the horse and I did that for a couple of years. And now I'm a full-time advisor. So I advise other e-commerce businesses. So I get, I get to have fun with other people's businesses and help them uh, help them grow. And as you mentioned, I'm, um, yeah, the author of those two dummies books uh, as well. So I, I love e-commerce. I just think that it's um, it's it's a great leveler. Anyone can get into it and have a go. And it's not easy, but when you get it right, and if you're prepared to work hard, you can you can really compete with some of the big players. And I, I like that. I like that you could be a uh, a small fry and and take it pretty far.
1: Was the light bulb moment that um, when you you opened that first. e-commerce store and customers bought and then here was the cash straight away like because of you were talking about that massive cash flow issue which so many Mm -hmm. businesses are in that cycle of of poor (laughs) poorness in a way because of because of cash flow issues and people's trading terms and then here you go you you went online and whoop Put the shoe the shoes out and whoop! There's a sale. Was it was it just like hey, hang on a second?
0: <laughs> it was it was the light bulb moment, and I think that the funny thing was, I suppose it was hard to transition fully into e commerce because you, you on paper I was getting really big orders from department stores and so on, but when you took factored in the you know the margin that you're making and the payment terms. I realized that it was more profitable for me to sell far less shoes, um, but do it at a higher margin, you know, being for sort of direct to consumer and um, and get paid straight away. And that was improving my life. And the, the, I, I firmly believe that, um, you know, you start a business ultimately to improve the, your life and the life of your family. And um, I found that I was able to do that online so yeah there was a moment where I was like oh yeah but the revenue is smaller but I quickly realized that cash in the bank was um, brilliant because I didn't have to go back and keep asking for you know I had trade finance and uh, inventory finance and you know overdraft and you name it and all of a sudden I didn't need that I was able to just start small and spend, you know, spend money when I had it in the bank. So it was a, um, yeah, it was that light bulb moment. I just thought, hang on, this is this could work here. Hmm.
1: Now, um, I think that if there's one thing about the pandemic that was an opportunity for small businesses, it was that chance to digitize and set up online. I think a lot of businesses started considering online as an option because of the pandemic that had not thought about it at all before, but I just read myobs' um, business monitor report, and it said something like one in three small businesses still don't have any kind of online presence. Now, is that a mistake? Now, are they really missing out?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, if we think about ten years ago or, or more, Jerry Harvey was, you know, pretty sceptical of online retail, calling it a, a scam or you know whatever he called it, and. He quickly realized to his credit that, well, hang on, this is no flash in the pan. And he turned it around. I think um, you absolutely need to have a digital footprint. You, you need to have a website at, at the very least, even if you're a service-based business. Um, because, and and if you're selling products, you can sell almost anything online. And the, the industry is growing uh, rapidly. And, and yeah, it did grow faster in, in during COVID and during the lockdowns, but it was already going. Uh, quickly. And it's continued. So in Australia, um, e-commerce growth in in January 2022, which is on, let's say, the other side of the pandemic, still grew on 2021. So there's still growth happening. The growth has slowed a a, a touch. But the other thing to remember, Seth, is that e-commerce in Australia is, online retail in Australia, is is only 20% of total retail. So you, you might think, or a business out there might think, oh, it's too late for me. It's not, you know, I I tell people all the time, you could look back in 20 years from now and you could start a site today and be a pioneer. You could actually, we still have this golden age where people who are in e-commerce now are really going to be looked at as pioneers. It's, it's inevitable the way that it's growing, it's inevitable that e-commerce will be around 50% or more uh, of total retail. It's it's already 20%. It's still growing. So, well, you know, all ships rise with the tide. I think that businesses can can still embrace it and, and need to embrace it. And, you know, the point of me writing my books was to show people that it doesn't matter how old you are, what what background you're from, what industry you're in, you can pick up your laptop you can you know join an e-commerce platform like shopify which helps you build sites and you can be trading in 24 hours it's not that hard the the barriers to entry are are low and that's why i like it so i'm i'm really you know doing my best to encourage people to get in there and give it a go because i've seen so many businesses uh just really experience life-changing growth um through being through becoming smart e-commerce operators.
1: And you're right. If they um set up on Shopify, it's super simple. They they're up and running in in a day, like and if they join a marketplace like Amazon or whatever, it means they're getting in touch with a global audience where as before that they were just stuck with um Australia. <laughs> Which it's not it's not bad, except that we've got this very finite population of 26 million people. So if you're looking to scale, you need to be kind of thinking online and and globally
0: as well, don't you? Yeah, the world's getting smaller if you're an online retailer. And, you know, earlier I mentioned being confined to the four, uh, four, four walls of a retail store and you're limited by the inventory that you can fit in those four walls. And and the pedestrians that walk past. And in e-commerce, it's borderless. It really is. Many of the retailers, the online retailers that I work with uh, in my business are, are exporters and great exporters. Uh, at Shopo in 2018, I think it was, we were the New South Wales exporter of the year with um, you know roughly, at times, roughly 50% of our revenue coming from international um, customers. And we came second in the nationals to... Another e-commerce business. Uh, so it's very common for Aussies to get traction in New Zealand, obviously, uh, our neighbours there, but also in the US, particularly on the West Coast. So I think when, you're, when you think about that, the fact that you can open up to countries like the US, Canada is another big consumer of Australian e-commerce, um, so is the UK, Germany as well. When you open that up, your total addressable market just becomes enormous. And I think that's why we're seeing um, some online businesses that are, you know, turning over 100, 200 million a year with the, the majority of their revenues coming from international. And these days, you could send a parcel to the US in three days for about 15 bucks. So it is becoming easier to ship. Online uh, around the world, even though we're you know this this little uh, well big country on the other side of the world, we we are great exporters uh, in Australia, and and um, that's another reason I love e-commerce. It's uh, it really isn't that hard to you know drop a line in the water and see if you get any nibbles in the U.S. or in in the U.K. and If it's going well, you can scale it up. If it's not going so well, you you can scale it down. You you don't need to hold inventory on the ground. You can ship it from here. So these are the barriers to entry that I'm talking about, which I think are um, have really been broken down, and and that's why I um, you know that's why I love e-commerce. It's just huge opportunity.
1: Hmm. And I think that Australian made um that little green kangaroo. That's another bonus as well. I think there are a lot of countries where that australia made really stands for something
0: oh there is i think you know particularly in, in america and, and just something about the west coast california they seem to love that and um you know china and um well china we're loving it um <laughs> maybe not so much now but <laughs> well you're... maybe
1: more now that anthony albanese has said.
0: <laughs> well let's let's see yeah let's let's see how that goes but you know, you're, you're right, it, it is, there's goodwill, I think there's goodwill about it and what I'm hoping to see uh, sort of getting sidetracked a little bit is with all the supply chain issues around the world and, and this has been a strain on some online retailers, the fact that you've probably, if you're an importer, you've probably got to hold more inventory than ever before, which which can be a bit of a cash crunch and um, and I, I just wonder if that's going to force people to start looking at Aussie manufacturing again. And, and you know, I, I've, I've heard it being talked about. I know it's not as easy as all that, um, but it might, I hope, might cause a little resurgence in um, yeah in Aussie manu- manufacturing.
1: Hmm. I think you might be right about that. Well, I hope so. Now, but we were completely sidetracked there, Now, getting back to those small businesses <laughs> and online. So those those are one in three that still don't have any kind of online presence, Um, if they're reluctant about setting up online, how do you make them understand it's actually easy and where do they get started?
0: Well, this is why I, um, so in my work, I work with bigger companies, you know, uh, that are pretty well established, but I, I was getting so many inquiries or discussions or questions from friends and family and small businesses generally and that's why I wrote the book. And I'm going to turn that into a course just to teach people how to do it because it's um, it is pretty easy. It, 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 however, I will, I always use this example says you know um, I, particularly I say this to my wife you know if I just because I can pop the bonnet of my car and find the timing belt it doesn't mean I should try and change it. So <laughs> you, you've got to still give e-commerce due respect. It, it is a it is a profession that requires a fair bit of knowledge and skill. But my point is that it's absolutely learnable and there are some good resources out there to help you, like my book, <laughs> to help you pick up your laptop and get into it. And, and I don't think there's any excuses. It, you know, there's, you can be on a 14 day trial for free for Shopify. You know, you can use their stock images. They've thought of everything. It, it re- There really is no excuses um, for a small business to, you know, it's down tools and just sort of, pick up a book and and learn about e-commerce and and get into it. And I just think you've got to, because I think you're going to get left behind. Um, More and more people are uh, uh, browsing uh, online for products and services, mostly on mobile devices now as well. And everybody's got a mobile, obviously. And I just think if you're not online in some format, you're missing out on opportunities. It's just uh, getting to the point where, you've really got to, you know, get on board. And, and, you know, I'm talking about all industries. I work with people who sell clothes, who sell alcohol, who sell joinery, who sell bathroom equipment, hair products, rugs, furniture. It's it's not just for fashion. Um, it's for, you know, me, meal meal preps. I've got a, a client who does meal prep on online and you order it online. Beds, medical supplies. So, I'd encourage people who are still not quite sold on it to get into it and give it a go because you're likely to see some sort of, you know, incremental activity whether that's inquiries or leads or sales or brand awareness but it and and good operators don't have to spend a fortune you don't have to mortgage the house you can get in slowly and and scale it so I think it's um it's time that everybody really considers having at least an online store or a uh, virtual shop front.
1: So I've got my shiny new online store. Um, how do I go about finding customers?
0: Yeah, uh, well, that, that's a great question. And, and this is probably where a lot of online retailers go wrong. When I started in e-commerce, you, you, you know, in Facebook's early days, Seth, you could probably just throw money at Facebook and they'll throw sales back at you. Uh, it was legitimately that easy it's not anymore um facebook no longer has any organic traction for businesses meaning if i post something on my business facebook page i hope that it will get likes and you know comments and engagement it it doesn't anymore you it's really preferencing it's a pay-to-play platform but you've got instagram and you've got other channels but before we even think about paid media Paid media is not a strategy. When I say paid media, I mean Google ads, I mean Facebook ads, I mean Instagram ads. A lot of online retailers who, who are new to the industry come in and they say, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, I've got a budget for Facebook ads. Now, can I get paid, please? I'm going to watch the money roll in. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, it's it, paid media is not a strategy. It's a channel. And this is where I encourage online retailers to go back to basics. So, when you're trying to acquire customers firstly it it starts with the product you have to have a product that you know is solving a problem and when you've got that product and you've got that aha moment where you, you know that it's solving a problem it's not just another fashion brand another you know in my case shoe brand you know you're not just doing what everybody else is doing but you've found your niche once you have that it's about old school you know guerrilla tactics family friends shouting it from the rooftops, posting it on your social channels, posting it on uh, LinkedIn, building your email database. So what I always encourage new businesses and existing online retailers uh, to do is to focus on what I call the what is known as the organic channels for marketing or for acquiring customers. So organic channels, broadly speaking, are free channels, you know, word of mouth, referrals, um, maybe some articles in in local press and things like that. You should really aim for more than 50% of your website visits coming from those free channels. Once you've got that, you can start to introduce a paid media strategy to to, to, to supplement uh, those organic visitors. But if you're going into e-commerce and your strategy involves spending, let's say um, trying to get 90 to 100% of your traffic through paid sources, it is not going to work. It is simply not going to work. And that's a real gotcha. People have this misconception that they can just give money to Facebook and Google ads and it'll roll in. Well, it doesn't work like that because, uh, broadly speaking, it's an option system. So if there's 400 retailers this week advertising you know, Levi jeans on Google ads, well, the the, the cost of advertising on the, on the Levi um, jeans keyword on Google is going up and up and up and up. And competition has never been greater in, in e-commerce. So you've got to be cleverer than that. And you've got to you know um, make those cool videos on TikTok that go viral or have a product and leak it to the press and get a news story that goes viral. You've got to be clever. You, you can't be lazy. So no more than 50% of your customers or your web, website traffic coming from paid sources. So um, you've got to get clever and really spruik your brand, hype your brand, hype your products, get into forums, write about it, talk about it, shout about it, and then add paid media as a small part, smaller part of that uh, overall strategy. And then, Seth, once you've got a customer, you've got to keep them because it's, it's far cheaper to retain a customer uh, than it is to acquire a customer. But b- broadly speaking as well, you know, the average online business that I work with probably spends 15 to 20% of their net revenue, their net sales, back into uh, advertising. That, that's a, a rough benchmark for, for anybody listening who is wondering about that.
1: Mm. And what about that word of mouth and the testimonials? Um, you know, obviously when we buy stuff we do, if a friend's got one we go oh what's it like or someone else might go oh that's a great builder or whatever how do we get um those more concrete testimonials though like on our website of satisfied customers how do we get our customers to actually go oh yeah I'm happy to write a, a good review because I think more and more people are also looking at reviews on on websites and on google now that
0: yeah, I think reviews are an essential part of anyone who's looking to have a, an online store or an online presence. And you've got to be in control of your reviews. So you can obviously use Google reviews, but you've got to make sure that you claim your business on Google so that if somebody's, you know, writing about your business, you actually know how to log in and reply to them. And uh, trust, reviews are a sort of um, trust, um, a trust play really. So trust is very important in, in online retail because essentially you're asking somebody to buy something off you sight unseen so it's it's proven that consumers will do their research and check review sites like google reviews trustpilot productreviews.com.au all that sort of stuff so we've got to make sure that we have a strong presence now for free you can you know claim your google reviews and a nice little tip for a new business is to if you get a customer send them an email after their order and ask them to review your product. And and that will really help. As you get more sophisticated, you can use platforms like Trustpilot or Yotpo or Okendo, which is a great Australian company that just does product reviews. And what that does is, let's say I buy a pair of jeans from a store, A couple of days after delivery, I'll get an email from that store saying, hey Paul, can you uh, leave a review? Better still, for 10% off, could you leave us a product review? So people are leaning towards not just text reviews, but product and video reviews, which will then sit on the website. So that the next customer who's looking at those genes will see two or three or four video reviews, five or six photos, and 20 you know, positive um, text reviews. But I would also say, Seth, that it's important not just to leave the positive reviews up. It, 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 can, be, um, it can be the case, that having some negative reviews can help your conversion rate uh, in online retail. But the key is good or bad, you must re- respond to your reviews. You must show that there's two-way communication because if there's no reply from the business, to me, that's, you know, that that's a that's a worry. So we've got to own our reviews. We've got to use our customers as advocates. If they're happy to, You know, maybe we give them 10% off if they post their new shoes on Instagram and tag us. All of that stuff is great guerrilla marketing and it's essentially free. And that's all of the stuff that I think businesses have to be uh, diving into when they get into e-commerce.
1: Yeah, and the thing about the negative reviews, I mean, a dissatisfied customer can become a real brand advocate if they're treated the right way.
0: Yeah, I, I used to in my business I was um anytime I would receive a, a negative review I would call them. Um because I, I found that um nine times out of ten, if you just pick up the phone and say, Look, I'm really sorry this happened, can I turn it around for you? After that I would ask them if they'd mind editing their review and nine times out of ten they would. And I think that's that's customers, you know, can be a bit quick off the mark, particularly with, you know, typing away and you know, maybe in the heat of the moment, but if you take the time to offer good old-fashioned customer service, I always cringe when I see a a war going on in reviews with, you know, a restaurant and a patron and you just think, oh, this is not good for anybody. So I think sometimes, look, even when you're uh, not not, not 100% in the wrong, you know, the customer's always right, you just got to grin and bear it and realise that there could be 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 other people reading these comments And we need to advocate for the business um, strongly. So reviews uh, overall are one of the most important things in e-commerce. And the good news is you can get started for free. You can start gaining reviews and moderating them for free. And I would definitely encourage uh, any business with a digital presence to make sure they're uh, active in the review space.
1: Okay, so I've got my my shiny new website the customers are coming in I'm getting these great reviews um everything's selling really well how do I know um when it's time to kind of scale up to maybe you know get more products or um expand the business so it's exporting to um overseas or whatever what how is there a I don't know if like specific formula but what should I be looking for that is a key trigger for me to think yep yeah, it's time to go to the next level
0: great question um and it does vary from business to business and there but there are some key indicators um that'll tell you whether or not your your online store is is going well. Um, cash in the bank's a great one, obviously. If you if you see cash in the bank growing, there's probably a sign that you're you're going okay. Um, conversely, you 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 do see quite a number of businesses whose revenue seems to be okay, but they're not in control of their you know, gross margin and, and other metrics. And I ask those businesses, do you ever feel like your sales are growing, but your bank accounts, you know, getting smaller? So you've got to really be in control of your numbers before you make those decisions. I really do think the most important metric in e-commerce is gross profit margin, because that controls everything. That controls how much you can spend on marketing, um, how much you can spend on wages, how much you can invest back into product. So I think it's really important to be in your numbers and make sure that you know when the right time to grow is. But some of these um, benchmarks or metrics that you'd be looking for are conversion rate uh, which is the number of people who make a purchase on your site um, divided by the, the, the number of people who are uh, visiting your site you know a good conversion rate is three or four percent which doesn't seem like a lot um, but it's enough a business with a conversion rate of three or four percent and and most platforms will tell you that Seth. so if you log into Shopify you have an analytics dashboard there that says, you know, this is your conversion rate, it's, it's 3%. If you've got a business that's selling something and it's you know 100 bucks or 200 bucks, average order value price, uh, average order value, and you're converting at 0.5% or 0.8, it's, that business is not going to go anywhere. So we've got to make sure that before we look to expand, we're getting our conversion rate up high. And then probably first looking to expand into, let's say export for instance, into regions where we're already seeing a good conversion rate. So let's say we're selling into the, in, inadvertently into New Zealand. We've, you know, we've published our site, we're getting some New Zealand traction and our New Zealand customers are converting at 5% and our Aussies are converting at, you know, 4, 4.5. Well, organically, we sort of say, hey, there's something going on in New Zealand. We're, we're, we're resonating there. Let's go there. A common mistake is everybody wants to go into the, the Euro, Europe or the US. Europe's got its own situation with VATs and taxes, and that's pretty, pretty tricky. Um, and the US can be very good, but typically has a lower conversion rate than Australia. So if you're sort of doing okay in Australia, and you're, you know, you're, you're getting a conversion rate of 0.7 in the US, then it's probably not time to go into the US. But I think you know, expanding into inventory and new product ranges, great opportunities but for me personally i abide by um, a little rule which is the 50 30 20 rule um, which i just created as a as a benchmark and it's you should be aiming for a, a gross profit including your cost of sales and merchant fees and um, you know outbound freight career fees etc of about 50% operating expenses of 30 percent you know so your marketing your wages your rent all those things leaving you with a, a net profit of 20 so if you're um if you're hitting that 50 30 20 rule pretty comfortably then as a rule you've got enough cash you should have enough cash to look at start looking at expansion if you're not that close to the 50 and and by the way Seth this can vary you know if you're obviously in certain um, industries attract lower margins but very roughly speaking 50 30 20 if you're in that vicinity you're going quite well and you can probably look to expand but cash is also key and I spoke earlier about my struggles in you know going to banks and inventory financing and so on and I certainly made this mistake where I probably took on big orders uh, particularly internationally because I had the allure of, you know, I wanted the prestige of selling in London and whatever and I probably wasn't ready and I didn't have the cash. And you've got to have, as part of your business models, you've got to have a a great model, by the way, like sales forecasts and forecast all your expense lines, but you've got to forecast your cash as well. So I kind of live by the rule as well. Another little metric that I like is to have about 10 weeks free cash. And what my definition of that is, let's say, A global pandemic comes along, Um, you (laughs) know. Let's say you know crazily that happens, and uh, you know this did happen to some of my clients where you know, particularly in fashion, well, nobody was going out, so sales dropped eighty percent. So let's say sales turned off, but we still had rent, we still had, we wanted to pay wages, we didn't want to stand people down. So let's say, imagine your business has zero sales coming in. So you know something's happened, zero sales coming in. Um, doesn't need a marketing budget obviously if there's no sales coming in so we take marketing away and then we say right the monthly expenses whatever that number is i want to hold or the weekly expenses i want to hold 10 weeks of that so if it costs me um you know ten thousand dollars a week to run the business uh i, I want to be holding a hundred thousand as my float uh, at all times if i've got more more than that if i've got a surplus um, then that's when I start looking at other opportunities, right? Do we do a new brand? Do we do a new category? Do we do a new market? If I've got less than that, I think it's just too tight. And you've got to build up that cash reserve or tweak your model so that it's more profitable. So there's opportunities everywhere, Seth, you know, new products and mergers and acquisitions or, you know, export or, you know, getting more inventory cause it's going really well, but simply you have to have the, the cash to be able to do it as well. And that all comes back to having a, a really good financial model for your business.
1: Mm. Yeah, you've always got to look at your numbers, don't you?
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, for sure.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Paul. It's been great chatting with you today. Um, I think that's about all we've got time for. Now, you're selling online for dummies. Where can people buy that?
0: Yeah, so they're um, <clears throat> selling online for dummies will be out soon. It's on pre, pre-order on um, most books, bookstores, Booktopia, Amazon, and it'll be, um, both books will be in Demix and um, all your good bookstores will be carrying it. So I really hope that it, it helps people to um, have a great time of it in, in e-commerce as, as I've done over the last 10 or 15 years. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Seth.